Well, good morning, everyone. It's a glorious, glorious day whenever we get together to sing. And uh, man, that's an oldie. That's an oldie but goodie, that one there. My goodness. I love it when they bring out some of those songs from the archives, man, you know? Oh, my goodness. It just takes me back to some really just precious um, moments, times. But anyway, uh, we are studying the life and ministry of Jesus, still doing that. And uh, I was kind of hoping, I'm just trying to time it out to where um, we have... um, Terry Clark coming uh, in February, and I was kind of hoping to be able to do communion with him, but it doesn't look like my timeline is working out, so pray for me, guys. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Sometimes I try to work things out, and the Lord laughs at it, but uh, we are in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew 18, and uh, we're going to touch on a subject today, guys. Uh, about forgiveness, really. We'll see how important it is. Uh, Matthew 18, we're going to pick it up at verse 21. I'm trying to get rid of this lifesaver. Forgive me. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Then came Peter... To him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened, now he starts a parable, unto a certain king which would take an account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him that owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. The king was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found, his, uh, found of his fellow servant, which owed him a hundred pence. Your translation might say a denarii. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. His fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And they came and they told unto their Lord, unto the king, all that was done. And then his, his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest thou not, or shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have had pity on thee? The Lord was wroth 
delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And so likewise shall, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. I don't know if you can read that without saying ouch once in a while. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Let's ask God's help on this. Father God, again, with your word in hand, Lord, we pray, God, that, Lord, you would speak your word to our hearts. Lord, as we touch on this subject of forgiveness and bitterness and what it does to a person, I, I just pray, Father, that you would just give us your thoughts, Lord. Would you show us what your church should be like and your sons and daughters and what it means, Lord, really to embrace one another. God, I'm just praying that everything I say today would just come across with clarity, that there would be no confusion. Again, Father, your word, it's your Holy Spirit that makes it truth and light. And we pray that he has his way today. Holy Spirit, come and root out anything right now, Lord, that might hinder us. Please, Father, give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say to the church. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. amen. Thank you so much. Obvious this passage is dealing with, um, with a forgiveness, but more than just forgiveness, it's a lifestyle uh, of forgiveness. It's a heart of forgiveness. It's an attitude of forgiveness. And um, again, it, it's going to be kind of a heavy message because uh, a lifestyle of forgiveness is required uh, in, in this fallen world which only makes it sometimes more difficult. If everyone was per perfect, not too much, the need of forgiveness, would, there wouldn't be that, too much of that, amen? But it isn't. We live in a fallen world, and we live among fallen people. The church isn't made up of perfect people. It's made up of forgiven people, right? Um, we're, we're still work in progress, if you know what I mean. Be patient with me. I'm just working progress. I just keep working on it. Now, to set the context of this, if you want to just look at, um, up to verse 15, just to establish context, Jesus said, moreover, if your brother shall trespass or sin against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. Now, if a brother sins against another brother, Jesus is saying they are to approach that brother for one reason, and that is for restoration. He doesn't, you know, it's not, the, the purpose for him coming to this brother is not, oh, please, please receive this, is not to make him feel bad. And too often, because of our fallen nature, that's why we go to other people, because we want to get in a jab, or we want to make them feel bad for what they have done to us, and what, what harm they have created in us. And that's not the purpose of this. The purpose is to restore 
whatever that relationship was. Maybe it was restoring a friendship. Maybe you were in ministry with them and you want restoration, God, to restore that. So you go with that. You do say, this is what you've done. And, and, if, he, and if your brother, it tells us there, if your brother says you're right, it was an oversight, or you're right, I was in the flesh, or you're right, I just had a bad day, please forgive me. See, that is, that's what we want. We want to be restored to a fellow brother or a fellow sister. And again, I say this because it's just been my experience that we, we always Matthew 18 it, but we don't have the right motive behind it. We're going to go, we're going to vomit on them, and we're going to make them feel bad for what they've done to me, and I'm going to get the last word in. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass people. But is that not sometimes the motive of our hearts? Even in within our marriages, we want to get the last word so our spouse will feel bad for what they have done to me. That's not the ways of God. It isn't. The reason we do this is so that we can be restored. But that was the motive. To Peter got stuck on that verse, you know. And so again, and we drop down to verse 21 where we started. It says, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? You know, how many times am I supposed to forgive this guy, you know? Uh, seven times, and then I can be fed up with him. No. Will seven times get me off the hook? You know, if I keep doing it, then eventually I know there's the sixth, there's the seventh, and pow, man, I'm going to get my last word in, you know. And I think what Peter was looking for here was a law. Peter was looking for a formula, you know, if I can just put a number to it. But what Jesus is going to bring to light isn't a law. If you need to use that word, it's the spirit of the law, not the law. I also think that Peter was thinking that he was being very generous, you know, why? Because in that day, what the, the rabbis were teaching, um, if you were a, a disciple of a rabbi, the rabbi would teach you that you have to forgive three times. You know, three strikes and you're what? Yeah. I can't stand anymore. You know, it's, and now you're done with just three, you know. But maybe Peter also was thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to come up with another heavy rebbe. You know, maybe I'll hear that a boy, Peter, flesh and blood again hasn't, you know, he really thought seven. Nobody can do that. You know, you know it, it, it might have been three and then you're out. And that might have been good enough for that local rabbi and his followers that, you know, remember the disciples, you were a disciple, whoever you followed and rabbis, the leading rabbis of the area, they had their disciples and that might've been good for them. That might even in their mind, in their heart, this is outstanding. I can forgive three times, but not for Jesus's disciples. A number will never do. Just think how unhealthy it would be for marriages, 
if we held a formula, three and you're out. No, I'm better. I'm a Christian Harry, seven. Seven and you're out. Man, some of us wouldn't have gotten through our honeymoons. <laughs> Think how unhealthy it would be with that kind of a mentality raising children. Three and you're out, seven you're done, 20 you're done. You know what happens? You just enter into a seething perpetual state of unforgiveness because no one could, could say three and out or seven and out. We, we need a lot more than that, don't we? Anybody today hear my voice? You need more than just three? You need more than just seven? I think I'll eat up seven before I'm done here. I'll say something. You guys are going to have to forgive me. You know. Christ has a different life for us. A totally different life for us. Because it's not a law. It's an atmosphere. Imagine an atmosphere in a home where, one, where it's just characterized, pardon me, by forgiveness, by forgiveness. Imagine that. Imagine how healthy our children would be, how healthy our homes would be. Imagine how healthy the church would be if we just were in this mentality of, like, that's okay, brother, I forgive you, man, you know? Hey, let's go and get a couple burgers together. Hey, let's, let's go out and let's go to a prayer meeting together. Let's, let's go and worship right now if we just had that attitude of just forgiving one another. Again, we have to be thankful for Peter. He's, uh, we have a lot of thought-provoking teachings out there because of him. He, he would ask questions that you and I would never ask or make statements you and I would never make, you know. He ate the brunt of it too, but here he is now again making a statement that's going to challenge all of us because a lot of us are like Peter. Problem that I see, and it's really brought up in verse 21, it's just one-dimensional. It says, then, then Peter, or came Peter to him and said, well, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? It is kind of one-sided, isn't it? Sin against me and I got to forgive him. He's not thinking how many times he has sinned against somebody and his need for forgiveness. And, I, and again, I think that is a heavy truth that some maybe we need to embrace. We're not all that. We're not perfect people. Not one person in this room is perfect. If you are, I'd love to meet you. I will bow down. The truth of the matter is there's only one perfect human being that ever walked the face of this planet, and that's the one that died on the cross for our sins. We are imperfect people, and I am going to offend you one day. I'm not going to meet all your expectations. I am going to let somebody down. And if you just look around you, you'll do the same with other people. We're not. We can't just be one-dimensional, one-sided, and always think about the me, me, me. Somebody said something about me. You know, how many times am I going to have to forgive this guy? You know what? And so before you know it, we're putting limits to it. He does it one more time, Lord. You're going to have to hold back. You know, turn the cheek just one time. The other cheek? Uh -uh. 
You just think about how much does my life require forgiveness. The forgiveness of God. Just think of that. If you can write, you know, put your mind around that. The, the forgiveness that God demonstrated towards us. Oh my goodness. The forgiveness that we need from other people. See, we all struggle with this. Every one of us does. We want to put a ceiling to it. You can't tell me this is open end, Harry, that it just goes on and on and on. There's got to be three and out, seven at tops, and maybe in the world, you might say, you know, you know, when I was in the world, man, that guy slugged me, I'd slug him back. Oh, maybe I'll put up with it three times, but Harry, in the world, I never put up with it seven times. It's got to be an act of God. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. Look what Jesus says there in verse 22. Jesus says unto him, I say not unto, unto thee, Peter, unto seven times, but unto 70 times 70. And I could see Peter. Wait a minute. 70 times 7 carried his zero. What are you, crazy? 490 times? That is humanly impossible. You can just see that in his face, the expression on his face. Not just him, but he was the one who asked the question, you know. Of course, it was, Jesus wasn't saying, um, I don't take it literally, it's figuratively. We're not to count. You're not to come up with a formula. That's a law. This is a spirit. This is something spiritual. It's not something physical. You know, either two, when you look at this thing, there's only two things that could really happen here. <laughs> either you're going to kill the guy because you know that you can't do it 490 times. Not, that's figuratively, guys. Don't be whacking anybody. Or you're thinking, my goodness, this is definitely going to cause or develop an attitude of forgiveness in my heart. And I think that was the purpose of Jesus' figure there. It's going to create an attitude, not literal, not no blitz. Okay, wait a minute, 489. Oh, one more, baby. 490, okay, one more, and you're mine, you know. You, that's the wrong attitude. It is an attitude of forgiveness. It is a spirit of forgiveness. It is a heart of forgiveness. It is a new nature of forgiveness to forgive See, Jesus knows that many of us, in order to prevent a lifestyle of bitterness, maybe a lifestyle of hardness, one has to really choose in his heart to develop an attitude or a heart of forgive, forgiveness. As the Holy Spirit rains on us, I, maybe this wouldn't be. Um, how many of you guys have ever been angry at a person because you felt that, that man, they really did you wrong? And, I, and it could be a mom, a dad, it could have been your best friend. And you have allowed bitterness to overtake you. Can you just raise your hand? See, it is a problem because of our human nature. 
And a lot of you guys know my, my, my testimony and, and how I was raised. And it took years before God really did something in my heart to forgive, you know, my pop, you know. And, and, but I, I piled it up, man. I piled a lot of bitterness and resentment up. And I cloaked it with this, you know, this false sense of humility. Like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he was raised it kind of a, in a bizarre way, too, and all that. But I knew in my heart I had not forgiven him, you know. And I needed to. And I needed to. And I needed it to be genuine. You know, it is a high standard. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying that, you know, that um, this isn't a lot to ask. Because of whatever that was. Whatever, whatever talent you owed out there. You know, whatever, or whatever talent somebody owes you. Whatever wrong somebody has done against you. You know, I get it. I'm not minimizing that. And I'll bring that up in a second. I, I will. It is a high standard. And I think humanly, if just like I tried to do for years, it's, it's humanly impossible just to create forgiving, you know, the forgiveness in my heart. We do need his help. And again, just going back to this scene, I can just see this expression on Peter's face and, and all those who were in earshot shot of this, this declaration, for, you, you got to forgive 490 times. I can see this, their expression. And their expression would be, how is that possible? You know, and I think that is the reason for this parable. The reason for this parable is to answer how. How this happens. And so let me read through it again and, and just point out some important words for you. And then we will again back up. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened. Now we know this is a parable. This is a spiritual truth brought alongside of something they're very well acquainted with. So all these people that are listening to this parable, they understand what a king is and his power and his authority, what a servant is. They understand that he is a part of a community where they have fellow servants along with them. So they got this. But it's likened unto a certain king which would have take, take account of his servants. So he's doing a little bit of accounting, right? He's, he's got his account going through his ledgers. And they come across a man, a servant, who owes him 10,000 talents. That's verse 24. Verse 25 says, but for as much as he could not pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife, his children, all that he had and payment be made. And I want you, to, I want you verse 25, to notice that his debt affected other people. It's another Bible study in and of itself. But our debt does affect other people. Um, notice too that he has no way of paying this back. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee. He's making the statement that he knows he cannot fulfill. He cannot pay this debt. And I'll share, share in, in a little while why he can't. And then the Lord of the servant was moved. This king was moved with compassion and uh, loosed him and forgave him his debt. He, the king absorbed all the debt. He just absorbed it. Now, again, in verse 23, I want you to recognize we have two unequal positions here. You have a king and you have a servant. Two equal positions. 
And when he began to reckon, he's doing his, his accounting. It says one was brought to him that owed this 10,000 talents. Now, your margins, I don't know what it says, you know, what, what is 10,000 talents, but it, it's equivalent to rough, this is a rough guesstimation, it's equivalent to around 60 to 90 million dollars. 60 to 90 million dollars. And uh, that's why I said to you that there was no way for this, this servant to ever pay him back. He's the king. He is a lowly servant. He is a servant who's worked for the king, might have borrowed money, interest rates, got whatever it is. It's like a, a student loan. <laughs> when, when you can't defer them babies anymore, man, <laughs> reaches that, that number where you're, you want to fall down and go, have mercy, right? But he's penniless. Verse 25 again. Notice what he does. He, for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded for him to be sold and his wife, his children. And again, look at his debt, what he's done. Again, because of mannerisms, customs, most likely his wife had nothing to do with this. His children had nothing to do with this. You know, and because of this, it affected his whole entire family. And I'll come back to that thought in a second. Then again in verse 26, the servant fell down, worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I, will, and I will pay thee back. Again, he's making a promise he cannot ever fulfill. There are people today who will make God promises. I'll never do that again. Have you ever made that promise? God, get me out of this one. I'll never do it again. Holy vey. I see the future. You're going to do this next week. Just do me a favor. Stop making the promises. Don't make a promise that you can't keep. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt with the request of mercy. Again, the king was compassionate and forgave, absorbed the entire debt. I can only imagine I can only imagine the weight that was lifted off of this man's shoulder. Just for a minute, just try to put yourself there. You owe a certain amount of money. There's no way for you to pay it off in your lifetime. And it's going to affect your entire family. And even maybe that debt will be handed down to your grandchildren. And all of a sudden, this king, this king, the ultimate authority goes, you know what? I don't want you to worry about it. I have empathy for you. I'm going to absorb it all. I want you to walk away knowing you have been absorbed of your entire debt. Imagine what that would feel like just for a moment. And again, guys, there are some people who reach out to God and they ask for the very same thing because they owe a debt. And God will say it to their hearts. And they'll say, he'll say, I have released you from all your debt and it doesn't dawn on them what's taking place. They just have fire insurance. And the songs about the cross, meaningless. It's just another worship song. This huge debt lifted. Again, the, again, the king represents, 
In this parable, God, the servant represents every one of us sinners and the debt represents sin. A debt we had no hope of ever paying. Here is a picture of a king forgiving a debt and we have a picture here of God forgiving us. Are you thankful for that today? Not 90% of it. The whole thing. And sometimes we just can't, we can't comprehend that. How could God forgive, absorb everything I have ever done? How could he do that? He absorbed it. He took a personal loss, absorbed our debt by sending his son and paying the ultimate price. And that was Jesus. First Peter 1.18 says, For much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like money and silver and gold from your vain conversa uh, conversation, from your meaningless lifestyle, Received by the traditions of your father, but by the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how he absorbed our debt. That's how he paid our sin. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Listen, guys, Jesus did pay that debt. What's that saying? You know, we owed a debt we couldn't pay and Jesus paid the debt he didn't owe. the truth you would think you would think that a person who have who has experienced that kind of forgiveness like our man the servant the last thing he would ever do is not forgive a person who sinned against him we look at this story and we would think what is wrong with this guy but the truth is it's possible to experience such forgiveness and we still would harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. I see that so many times with, with young adults who have been raised in an abusive home where mom or dad might have abused them. Listen, I understand that all too well. And what we do is we, we harbor that unforgiving. Now, you know what harboring literally means? You've anchored it in, man. And you're refusing to pull up anchor. You've anchored in into this emotion where you're not going to forgive. And you, and you know what? In the human eye, maybe you, you have every right to pile up that bitterness, to pile up that unforgiveness. But in the economy, in the eyes of God and the kingdom, that doesn't go. It won't float. We would want to call this guy a hypocrite. And the truth, again... This servant lives in every one of us. Look at what he says in verse 28. But, this is, but the same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servant, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Man, this is a nice guy to take home to meet. Mom, you know, I, you're going to pay me what you owe me. I want you to notice, unlike the king, where we said there's two equal values or two equal position, king, servant. Hey, this is his fellow servant. This is his buddy. He's worked with him. This is like one of us having something against another person here. 
I have heard this taught that all this guy owed him was 10 bucks and to have the audacity to take him by the throat for just 10 bucks. That is not, it's such a bogus teaching. I wish people would stop that. The, 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 the amount that he owes this guy is between 8000 to $12,000. It's a substantial amount of money. And what Jesus is saying here, look, I get it. This guy, he's done you wrong. This is heavy. This is an, a substantial amount of money he owes you. I'm not making light of it. You are going to be forgiven something that's so real and so huge. And it might even be a sacrifice for you to forgive. You see, guys, somebody could just come up and make a little comment that you don't like and you could just get a little peeved at it and go, yeah, whatever, he, he's a knucklehead. You, you just write it off, right? Oh, you just got to know how you'd understand why he said that, you know, and yet we write it off and we're all happy family, you know. But there are some people that, whether it's purposeful or whether um, it's unintentional, doesn't matter, it's still hurtful. What he's saying here is, look, it's not like what this king had to for, forgive. It's not even, you can't even compare the two, two, but I get it. It is something that you're going to have to dig into and dig deep into, and you're going to have to still forgive him no matter what it is. Or there's a consequence. We'll see that. The sacrifice that we extend to other people cannot be con uh, compared to the sacrifice that God made. I th what, what really shows me this heart where it says he got him, he, number one, he went and looked for him too, by the way. He didn't just bump into him. He went and looked for a guy. When he found the guy, which means this, he was following his heart. He's fo there was purpose. There was something in his heart he wanted to do, which was ungodly. And he would even get physical about it. But verse 29 cracks me up. Not in a humorous way, but his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him. He said, have patience with me and I'll pay you. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's exactly what he asked the king for. Look, I'll do it. I'll, I'll pay you back. And, and again, it might have been possible for this guy to sell himself into slavery, to pay off the $8,000 or $12,000 he might owe him. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take the sacrifice of his family working, you know, in, in the way they would pay off debt. It was going to be a, a hard task at hand, but it, it was possible. And the, guy, the guy said, no, I'm going to cast you into prison until you pay off this whole debt. Let me ask you a question. Would it be possible for the guy to pay it off if he threw him in the prison? This is revenge. This is a sad condition of a human heart. This is someone saying, I'm going to seek out this person who's done me wrong. And I'm going to make them pay for it one way or the other. And even if they ask me to forgive them, I'm going to make it so that, that they'll never ask me again. You see the, the bitterness that has piled up in his heart. We look at this, right? Where it says, and he would not, he cast him in the prison till he could pay it off. However, that would work. But you know what? 
you look, we look at this and we might be horrified at this. You might even in your heart right now go, man, Harry, I never want to be like that. And I commend you for that, that thought. But then again, if we've experienced it in the past, in which I've ma- I, I asked you to raise your hand, that resurfaces, someone drudges it, dredges it up again, or maybe a circumstance, you know, it surfaces again, what will you do with it? What would I do with it? You see, we might think, man, this king did so much for him. Why couldn't he be just as merciful towards that guy? But the question to us this morning is, God has been so merciful to us, right? Why, why couldn't we be merciful to those that might sin against us? That's a, a, a question, a personal question question with a personal answer will never all of us will never have the same story other than bitterness but again the truth of it this guy might live in 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 every one of us verse 31 says and when his fellow servant saw that was done the king or when his fellow servant saw that was done the very, and, and were very servant, they came and they told it unto the king, all that was done. See, see, guys, they noticed that there was bitterness in this guy. They saw what he was doing, you know, and isn't that not true? Have you ever met someone you go, man, that guy's got such a chip on his shoulder. How many of you guys ever, he's just bitter, he's hard at life, man. He, it's beyond errorism, you know, where he's always down in the dumps. This guy just has a chip on his shoulder and he's going to get back at somebody. I hate to be his enemy. Verse 32, when his, when the, his Lord, the king, after that he called him, he said unto them, Thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all, all. That debt, because thou desirest me, just because you simply asked me. You know what I think is very um, stirring is that when it was revealed to this servant that he owed him between nine to whatever it was I told you, millions of dollars, he never called him, never once said, You are wicked. you created this debt. It's going to affect your family. You, he never called him wicked. But he calls him a wicked servant now. Why? Gang, listen, tune in. It was because of the way he treated another servant. The bottom line, he was wicked because he would not forgive. Now again, this parable is to stir us up. You know, what are you saying, Howard, that when I, when I purposely in my heart will not forgive someone, I, won't refu- I refuse to forgive my ex. Man, you don't know what he's done or what ring. You've got every right. Let that bitterness just keep piling up. Maybe he was a scoundrel. Maybe he's, he deserves everything you're saying. But what are you going to do with your emotion? How you don't know this woman's on my case, 12, and you go off it. Well, maybe she is. I don't know. I'm not your personal pocket pastor that will go home with you. I, I'm working on my marriage. 
I know this, though. I've been through it. Listen, kids, I've been through it. I've, uh, I've piled up bitterness towards someone for years and years and years. And I whitewashed it like, oh, yeah, I forget. I never did until one day when he was in the hospital. Yeah, we can be a lot like this guy. Again, this gets me angry, but it does get a hold of my attention. That is to live a life of unforgiveness. How unhappy a person is. Forgiving is another mark. Forgiveness is another mark. It's identification. Identification is what binds us to God and it binds us to one another. Look what he says again in verse 32. I forgave thee all the, that debt because you just wanted me to. Should, should not thou also have, have compassion on your fellow servant even as I have compassion on you, pity on you? God's forgiveness towards our debt should lead us as a child of God to forgive others. We should extend pity. We should extend compassion. Empathy is something different, I believe. But that's even possible. Can I tell you a real quick story where I did have empathy for my dad? I was out and I was attending a police chaplaincy in Anaheim, California. And a long lost uncle of mine, we got in contact with each other, found out he lived about four hours away. So we decided that we were going to meet up. This was my dad's brother. And when we, uh, we got there, he, he, he had found Christ. He was born again. Ex- oh, it was so exciting to know this guy that I loved as an uncle got saved. You can only imagine. So we're in a diner, and we're sitting down. We're laughing. We're crying and all. And he noticed that every time he brought up my dad, I, I kind of diverted the whole thing. I just didn't want to talk about it, you know. And he was, he was kind of... Um, um, dis, had discernment. He, he discerned that I didn't want to talk about it. And he goes, hey, hey, Harry, tell me something. And I said, what's that, Mick? He goes, what do you know about your dad? And I go, oh, dude, Mick, what do I know about him? He was a tough guy. He's, you know, and I just, all that, you know, I wasn't really trashing him all that much. He goes, well, can I say something without you being offended? I said, yeah, sure. What? He goes, you don't know anything about your dad. I said, what are you kidding me? I lived with him all my life. I know everything about the guy. No, you don't, Harry. It's just like you don't want to talk to me. Your dad never wanted to talk to anybody else. Let me tell you how your dad was raised. By the time he was done with me, I had nothing but empathy for my father. And when I got home, I knew God had done something, and I was able to go to his bedside and truly forgave him. And I was released of all the bitterness and all the anger and all the hostility. It was so bad that when they told me he had a stroke, I figured out my sister will go see him. Don't need to see him. But God has a way of removing that. Amen? Listen, this is what it says in Ephesians verse, or chapter 4, verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of, of redemption. What would gri- grieve him? Listen to the rest of uh, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you. With all malice... 
Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Here it is. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's a choice. It's not a heavy revy. It isn't where, all right, now I'm going to, I am going to pray in a storm, man, and the Holy Spirit is going to baptize me with authority and power, and I am going to be flooded through my being with the Holy Spirit of God. I'll be able to forgive and forget. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. He said, let it be put away from you. Paul's saying, you do it. He says in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God. You put it on. He says, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. And what else were you supposed to put? Put on forgiving, forgiving one another. I think what's sobering is, and I have to pick up my pace here, is it says that he was angry. The king was angry, delivered him to his tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. The king sent him to his tormentors, torturers, literally, to be tormented. And listen, gang, what this parable is saying to us, you don't realize when you don't forgive somebody, what you don't realize is when you don't forgive somebody, the prison you enter. You are being tortured. I was tortured for years, tormented. Couldn't get the thoughts out of my mind of everything we had been through. My, three, my two brothers and my younger sister, all that we went through with this guy, it tortured me. And the only, the anger and still, it just, it kept growing in bitterness See, it does imprison you when you don't forgive. It affects you physically. It affects you mentally. It affects you emotionally. Physically, I hear people saying, man, I got to do the Xanaxes now. Or I got to do, you know, I, I got to do some lorazepam. I got my little cocktail to keep my nerves down. But the bottom line, the reason you're all racked out of shape is because you just won't forgive. And how it affects us mentally, man. We go through depressions. You just don't know how many of us heard like, they, well, I go to my shrink. Oh, I shouldn't say it like that. I go to my psychologist and he helps me to realize that the wallpaper that I see on the, and, and these different words and you know, and then of course, even emotionally, we never think it's, we never think it's two dimensional. It's always one dimensional. It's all about me and mine and, and all you have to do is remember, put on bowels of compassion. Clothe yourself as the elect of God. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Five things I want you to write down, guys. Five things. When we don't possess this, this, let's call it an attitude of mercy or maybe a forgiving spirit, meaning an attitude. There is no such thing biblically as a spirit that's forgiven. It's just, you know what I mean. Five things. Just remember, as we just read, when we don't forgive one another, it grieves the Holy Spirit. The next time you choose to harbor bitterness or ill feelings, just realize 
my goodness, I am grieving. The word can also mean I am quenching the Holy Spirit. I am stopping the Holy Spirit to work in my life the way he wants to. Whenever we decide, no, that was not just, ah, forget about it. That's something that I got to hang on to. See, this helps me always to continue to be forgiving. Because I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby I was sealed unto the day of redemption. God's saying, I don't belong to myself, I belong to God. How many of you guys belong to God? Okay, don't grieve him because his name is written across your heart. And it's going to remain there until the day of redemption, which literally means to the, to the end of the age, which means right before the rapture, you'll be taken up and transformed. Number two, it creates a strain in my relationship with him. It creates a strain in my relationship. When I don't forgive, I can't even pray the way I want to pray. We pray even the Lord's Prayer. I always pray the Lord's Prayer. I don't do it as a vain repetition, but our Father. And I go, Lord, you are my Father. Who art in heaven, that's where you are right now. Your kingdom is coming. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us this day as we, what? Yeah, see, you can't even finish that prayer because you can't even, you can't finish the prayer because you still hate that guy or you hate that woman or you, you still hold that bitterness against them. And if you try to finish that prayer, the only thing you will sense in your heart is hypocrisy. Number three, it's going to hinder my growth. The Bible tells us that we grow in him, that we become more like him, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our faith grows. But when I held on to that bitterness and that, that, that anger, those, all those years, I realized I never grew during that time period. Number four, it hinders my witness. It's a very rare thing. For a person has the ability to hide their bitterness. It always comes out. And when it does come up or come out, well, Hebrews said, watch out for the root of bitterness springing up and it might defile many. How do, how do you tell somebody that God will absorb? Listen, tune in, tune in. How can you tell somebody that God will absorb he has compassion, empathy on you. He's taken all your debt. How can you say that as a, as, a, as a witness for Christ when we can't forgive others? We can't. It's hypocrisy. Number five, there will be a loss of reward. I, don't, I want all the rewards that God intends to give me in heaven. At the Bema Seat of Christ, we will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Every one of us will because of our acceptance. But when it comes to those glorious rewards, those diadems, Stephanos wreaths, when we receive those, I want to receive it for forgiven dad. Well done, Harry. Took a little while, but we got you there. Well done, daughter. You forgave him. All that he did, you forgave him. Well done. Husband, you forgave. Even kids, forgiving your parents, honoring your parents. 
Hey, Greg, make your way on out here. I want you to remember three things, guys. Three things. Remember, forgiveness is not an option. It's not optional. It is a wrong prayer when we pray, Lord, if you don't do this, then I can't do it. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us we can. We can put on the bowels of mercy and compassion. We can choose the right path. We can choose not to grieve the Holy Spirit. It is a choice. And some will teach you, well, you don't know how bad that is. Listen, you have a king who had every right to take that guy that ran up his debt and say, you're going to prison. He had every right. But he chose, a king chose not to. He had every right to say, you know what, 6,000, 12,000, buddy? You know what? What's more important to, for me? I'm going to... I'm going to choose to forgive you. Wipe it clean. Just like God wiped it clean for me. Listen. A couple things though. Because I know I'm going to get the emails. To forgive someone does not mean to minimize the wrong. That guy owed it. He didn't minimize it. What somebody might have done towards you, against you, took your legs out from under you, that was wrong. We're not minimizing it. Also, it doesn't mean that I've got to trust them again. You don't have to trust. You have to forgive. Forgiving is a commandment. We choose to do it. Trust is earned. Hey, I, I need you to forgive. I do forgive it, brother. But for the trust, it's something he or she would have to earn back. It isn't forgive and forget and then get beat up again. No, there's wisdom. I mean, I think too, too, too many times the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. No, what they've done was wrong. We're not minimizing it. But it doesn't mean we have to trust them immediately. Second key is to remember um, forgiving is another way um, to powerfully represent God. It, it, for someone to forgive, what, a, what an outward demonstration of, of just the power of God. We demonstrated by forgiving other people how God has forgiven the world. And number three, remember, you know, always remember, that helps me that God forgave me of all my debt. We, we don't even know half the amount of what God has forgiven. You can, you can only appreciate all that you remember that you, you know, what you've done in your BC days. Yeah, man, do I appreciate that, that. And God said, oh, if you only know the whole thing. My goodness. And I'll tell you something, gang. When I think about how much God has forgiven me and how he absorbed my debt, it gets a little easier and easier as the years go on to forgive people who come against me, might come against you, and I can still forgive them because I know God has ultimately the last say. Remember, it's, it's, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Remember how much you have been forgiven, and remember it always represents the God of the Bible who we love so much. Let's stand.
How many of you guys, if that's heavy to you, just the rest of you is you're still like sitting in your chair going, you just bloom, man. Some, I am more liberated sometimes in my heart because of the truth. And, and because the Bible says truth sets a man free. So error puts a man into bondage. This message might have been something very hard for you to embrace. And in your mind, oh, how you just don't know. <laughs> this time I can tell you, I know all too well. All too well. And one of the reasons my brother ended up in Vietnam was to run away from my dad. One of the reasons why I thought juvie would be a lot better is because I wanted to get out of my house. We knew all too well how to harbor resentment. We were even mad at mom for staying with him. Start blaming her. But God delivered every one of us. My brother, me, from bitter and anger. And, and we've been set free because we look at the cross if you're struggling with this this morning, guys, look at the cross. And when you see the cross of what he's done, how he's paid the price for us, and then ask God, man, show me how much you've forgiven me. You might find it a little easier to forgive that person. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that sometimes it comes to us as, a, as bitterness. Sometimes it comes to us as, as sweetness. But no matter how it comes, let your will be done in our hearts. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to be able to pray our Father. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your king is coming. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. As we lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For yours, come on guys, is the power, the kingdom, and the... See, that's why we have different translations. 